many times have you celebrated your 39th birthday? When age 50 creeps up on us, we deny it, hide it, and do everything we can to ignore each birthday that comes after. But why? Let's celebrate our voices of experience. Whether you're passing 50, passing 60, or approaching another decade, we've got great discussions and guests to help you embrace every year you've got under your belt. If you're passing 50 or more, pull up a chair. We've got something just for you. Now, here's your host, Robin Boyd. Welcome, everyone, and welcome to today's edition of Passing 50. You know, on this show, we do share a lot about coming of this age. Many of us have grown children and find ourselves in a shift of purpose. Now is the time we often are ready to do things that we never could get to before, either because of time, because of parenting responsibilities, or maybe financial limitations that now we're ready to pursue. Now, many of you may have had an idea bouncing around in your brain for years and thought, oh, gee, I'd love to sit down and spend some time and really pull my thoughts together and write a book. But the mere thought of that was just so daunting. And I have to say it is for me uh, that you never wanted to go any further with the notion. Well, today, my guest is going to help you with that choice. I would love to introduce to you Judith Bryles. She's an author, publisher consultant, a radio host, and a professional speaker focused in the fields of finance and book publishing. Judith, welcome to Passing 50. Hi, Robin. So glad to be with you. This is very exciting because I think um, so many people have had this idea before, before we talk about whether it's right for, for someone like me, I'd love to know a little bit about you. Were, were you, uh, was writing your first love or were you more in a business and finance world and realized you had a lot to share with people? Well, you know, it's, it's really a variation of that. Mm. No, writing was never my first love. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? (laughs) And 35 books later, okay? So writing was not my first love. um, And I came into it from my my business arena where um, there, there was two things going on. I won at the time when I realized I there there possibly was a book in me, and of course I only thought there was one book in me. Nobody nobody told me that books breed more books. Right, so um, that, fair warning, fair warning, yeah, fair warning, everyone. <laughs> Um, that I started with a uh, I, my position at that time. I was president of a college uh, foundation. And one of the perks I got to do is I, I, I used to get to schmooze and have dinner with the celebrity speakers, their celebrity speaker stories. And sometimes they were movie stars and sometimes they were really prominent business people. But, you know, I've schmoozed with Gerald Ford and Ray Bradbury. And, oh, my God, I spent hours with Truman Capote um, that, that you know, <laughs> Olivia That's DeHavon, a story in itself, I'm um, sure, Bob but we won't Hope. go there. Oh, yes, I learned Bob Hope. You to have a massage every day but besides that um that i you know i that that was just one of the little goodies that i got to get and one time that we had in the celebrity series that i was sitting next to my my, our guest for dinner and you know this was an auditorium that filled 3,500 people and we were having dinner together before he spoke 
And we found very quickly that we had uh, three teenagers. Uh, and that was our common bond. He had three and I had three. Mm-hmm. Well, listen, if you get parents together that have teenagers, there is a lot to talk about. Yes. My kids were a couple of years older. And I was sharing a thing that we had been uh, uh, talking in our family about the Vietnam War uh, and that type of thing. Now, this this was the very late. This was actually April of 1979, as a matter yeah. of fact. Mm-hmm. And we were talking about, so the 60s were very much in play still. And, and that, and, and I had a 19 year old and he would have been, you know, prone to be pulled away. And so we were talking, I said, you know what we ought to do? You know, instead of having a draft, we ought to take away their cars for two years. You know, you'd save on gasoline, you'd save on insurance, you'd save on uh, lives, you would save on accidents, you would, school grades would go up, there'd be less sex. You know, I was going through this (laughs) laundry list. The whole thing? The whole thing. A parent thing. A parent thing, Robin. And, And we laughed about it. And he went and gave his lecture, and it was lovely and wonderful and funny. And um, and then I dropped him off at the hotel, and the next day I headed down to Mexico because I was working down there. Um, and that uh, I picked up a copy of the Los Angeles Times, and I'm just kind of thumbing through it, and all of a sudden I sat up straight because there was his column. And he was a nationally syndicated author. He was he re- did screenplays. He had best-selling books, and um, and there was a caricature of of a lanky teenager leaning against a gas pump with into the car, and all my ideas were in his column, Robin. All of oh them. my goodness! When I got back. There was a letter from him saying, hey, it was really great to meet you. I really had a lot of fun. And you might look at, you know, some of the things that we talked about I might use in a future column. And I'm saying, future dude, we're talking past (laughs) tense here. But here's the epiphany. The epiphany that came in was this. Judith, if you don't start taking some of your own ideas, other people will. Wow. So I called one of my clients and that way, that, that time I was a financial planner, and I called one of my clients, and, and who was the editor of the local newspaper, the Palo Alto Times, and I said, "Hey, Jack, I've got this idea. You know that course I have been teaching for a couple of years up at the college on women and money. You know that might make an interesting book. You know, can you help me? Because I don't know how to write a book. I don't right, know. Right. You know, I read books, yeah. and." And uh, and I still read a lot of books. And and he said, I don't know about writing books. I'm an editor of a newspaper. But one of my sports columnists writes novels. So I said, would you? Well, would you introduce me? So he introduced me to a guy by the name of Phil Finch. And I sat down, and I didn't know what I was getting into. Um, but but I needed some help. And I think the first thing we need to tell to all our listeners, if they are thinking about writing a book, get some help. Yeah. Get some help. Now, the help that was available to me um, uh, then was it was hard to cherry pick and find. There is so much help today. Mm. So much, almost, almost too much, which means that uh, publishing predators are breeding right and left. But that's a mm. whole other topic. Um, and that uh, I, I sat down with Phil. I liked him. I read I read a couple of his books so he could write. So, I mean, easy peasy, right? <laughs> well. And, and, and so back, Robin, in 1979, I said, what would it take for you to teach me and help me here? And and I paid him $7,500 back in 1979. It's a lot wow. of money back then. Yes, yes. All right. But out of that came my first book. 
and I followed him. I learned from him. He introduced me to his agent. We had several offers, and I signed with a major New York publisher. Wow. And, and that's how I published my first book. It was going to be the only book. It did very well, three printings in three weeks. And, wow. um, and then I kind of took it from there. Now, was that, was Woman to Woman your first book? Oh, no. No, my no, 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 that, because that was 1987. Yeah, that was 1987. My very first book that, cause I was doing finance then, and my very first book was called The Woman's Guide to Financial Savvy. Oh, okay. You know, and it landed me on Good Morning America, and you know, that's when all that kind of thing started for me. How long did it take you then? Because I'm sure that there were a lot of stumbles that you learned, uh, the hard way. Uh, yeah. was that, uh, a, a long process from the time you spoke with Phil Finch to the time you sat in uh, Good Morning America's chair. Oh well, that you know that that's a, that's like part two. Okay, yes, so we we, yes. we get we get the draft, we get the book put together. Phil sat. He came in every we we had once a week. He came in. He just sat opposite me at my desk, and he turned on his tape recorder and said, "Start talking." <laughs> and I really? talked my yeah I talked my whole first book and then he did the polishing up he was my editor yeah, um, yeah. and he did the polishing up and all that and and that's how we did so we submitted the book that started in April I sold the book in December of 1979 and um, in my discussion with the editor when she called to say I'm really looking forward to working with you blah 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 and 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 I think that you know we'll, we'll we're going to publish this in June I'm going June god it's so long yeah, yeah. and and I said okay well then I, I can live with six months no 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 it was June of the following year wow. and that's when I learned that the site typical cycle in New York is still the same it's 18 months after they have made an offer Mm-hmm. And, but I will say I was a kept, I was a kept author. I was well taken care of. Um, I broke away in 2000 and ended up starting my own publishing company. Um, and I did that for a variety of reasons. And the four of them were about control. It was about quality. It was about timing. Um, and it was about money. And it was those four things came into play at this point in time with the uh, tools that are available to would be authors. If you will learn them, if you will understand that publishing is a business and you need to learn it, everyone, if you have any interest in this um, and that it does require an investment. And there's different stages, different levels that you go into. Um, it, it can be a wonderful avocation that can turn to even a vocation. Mm. And I think that's what we do want to get into here because I know um, many people have often maybe jotted down or uh, written an article for the local newspaper and whatnot, and people will say, oh, gee, you know, uh, you should write a book. You've got such great ideas. And that's so much easier said than done, I think. Um, but then when all of a sudden time does all of a sudden uh, land in our lap, maybe we have a little more free time, a little more disposable income. Maybe it is time that we say, well, wait a minute, maybe I really do need to. So, so we do have a break coming up, Judith, and on the other side, I do want to ask you, why should we write? Um, there, we, of course, would probably need to identify our audience. We need to sort of zero in on who our reader is. And I'm sure that that is the beginning. I mean, I, I, you, you must have to have that identification before we can go much further. Always knowing who you write for is, is can make or break your book. And we'll get into that when we do come back. 
Mm-hmm. So, so much to learn, and thank goodness um, you are available to us through the bookshepherd.com. Uh, first of all, we want to make sure that people visit. When I first went to your website, I was so enchanted. There was so much there. There's so much available, um, and it excited me because I thought, wow, maybe I could do this. Judith, we're going to be back in just a minute. Judith Bryles is our guest today right here on Passing 50, so don't go away. We'll be right back. Listen up. Did you know recent studies are suggesting that women with skinny waists but sizable hips are smarter than other women? Scientists at the University of Pittsburgh and the University of California gave cognitive tests to a group of 16,000 women and girls of different body types and found the women with the greatest hip-to-waist proportions scored higher. Hmm, I guess that would make me a walking encyclopedia Britannica. Now, hold on. That doesn't mean it's okay for us to be a powder pigeon. That's another name for a woman whose sizable hips can take up a whole supermarket aisle. Research suggests that the fat around fuller hips and thighs holds higher levels of omega-3 fatty acids, which helps the brain. I'm not sure if I would rather be able to do the Sunday crossword puzzle or get into those jeans I bought 10 years ago. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words-you-never-heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. Secret Cuisines and Sacred Rituals is a quest, a place, and a feast. Join host Vilasi Venkatachalam every week to explore myths, mystique, old medicine, and brilliant modern solutions through a dazzling kaleidoscope of cuisines, cultures, and cures. This is the place where tribes gather, strangers and familiars, to be memory keepers and makers of our evolving, enduring, evergreen, spoken legacy of wisdom and ingenuity. In Velocity's words, when we do old things in new ways and new things in old ways, we paint with an inspired palette, weave our own healing traditions, and become our own guru. Velocity is a troubadour of secret cuisines and sacred rituals. She collects stories of wisdom, ingenuity, and grit. She believes wellness and transformation happen when you stand at the threshold of delight and discovery. She displays her hidden penchant for drama when she leads the safari at the supper club. Her favorite pastime is to extol the marvels of cuisines, cultures, and cures. To her audience in workplaces, seminars, and salons, her mantra is, be your own guru. She is a biochemist, botanist, and alchemist who likes to churn delightful, useful things from a brew of art and science, ancient and evolving, old medicine and new cures. Join Velocity every Friday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, only here on the WooHoo Radio Network. A couple of minutes older, a couple of minutes wiser. We're back to a great discussion on Passing 50. Thanks, everyone, for being with us today on Passing 50. I'm Robin Boyd with you today, and I'm so grateful to Judith Bryles. She is our guest today, author, publisher, and consultant at thebookshepherd.com. I do encourage you to go to her website. You will find an immense amount of information that is going to help you get on track and decide what is best for you as far as uh, your future writing career. Uh, we're going to talk a little more about all that's on that website in a little bit, but uh, Judith, why do I want to sit down and write? Why do I want to write? 
Well, you know, that's a great question because, Robin, there are certainly different areas of it. And I always, when I do a game plan, I, I actually do game plans, marking mm. game plans, speaking game plans, book game plans. And why is always the first thing. Why? 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 Why are you writing? Why do you want to publish? And, mm. and why you? Why? Why are you the player here? So... You know, you know, I can certainly for me, but I think, you know, I'll put on my switch over to my book shepherd coaching hat is that when you're, you're looking at why is it to, uh, just because you like to write. Okay. Well, um, that doesn't mean maybe you want to publish. So you need to really kind of do a new segment. Is your goal to publish a book or is your goal just to write <laughs> because you love to write? Right. And that, and that's fine. And that's just fine. Or is it, maybe it's your goal, you know, maybe I just want to do these little columns, Robin, that you referred to. Some of those, the local throwaway papers are always looking for little tidbits and little information. Or maybe I, I, maybe I want to do a blog. And so maybe I need to learn some tips and tricks mm-hmm. of the trade or how to hook people or how to create headlines or, um, you know, that kind of thing. So why do you want to write? Is it to add to your credibility? Is it to uh, become an expert, an identified expert in the field? Is it to advance your career? Is it to transition into another area? Is it to build a business and bring in business to a business that you already had? So maybe you're going to create a freebie of some sort mm-hmm. or is it to maybe you want to have um, major news come knocking on the door when some weird thing happens and you just happen to be the go-to profile that pops up and searches um, for it is it to sell books is it to uh, maybe develop a career in speaking um, and sell books via that way I mean what why are you going to do this so mm-hmm. be real clear on that and because that will help structure you. If I took a writing class in college, is it prudent for me maybe to brush up on those skills? Should I go and oh, maybe that's pick a up great a one-on-one course? You know, yeah. Yeah, guess what? You know, I I could give a twiddly dit if you did that. Mm-hmm. Um, that the best way to write and to learn writing and to get better at writing is to write. Mm. Write, 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 and read, read. Read. So if you're, uh, you know, I'm going to come from the book side of it and the publishing side of it is that if, if you are going to, uh, take down erotica, you better be reading a lot of erotica. If you're going to be a children's reader and, and what age group, you better be devouring the best selling authors out there to see what they're doing. And you better be very familiar with their websites. You better, you better be a fan of them and follow them because there are all strategic reasons to do that that will tie into your success in your book marketing. Um, if, if you're going to be doing historical fantasy, you better find out who the players are out there. And you become – people who do anything with historical um, tied in with it are become superb researchers, Robin. Mm. And they – I mean, they, they do it in travel. They do it sometimes on the Internet travel, but sometimes they physically do it. Um, but that you really have to dive into it. But but the, the, the most critical thing is you write – 
And you write. And I can tell you when I, the first time I went back to be on Good Morning America, it's June 1981. And, you know, they're flying me back first class. I mean, they, they treated me very well. And I'm flying back and I'm reading my book for God knows how many times. And here's what's going on in my head. And I'm going through and I'm going, oh, my God, Judith, why did you write it this way? <laughs> you know, you're constantly altering and looking to improve, and that's a good thing, because you you have another awareness um, of of what you can do, and you start to push, and then you start you start dis- almost deciphering uh, some of the stuff. I mean, I've had books. One of my favorite books was Sea Biscuit. And I can remember oh. Laura Hildebrand's book, and I remember reading along. And I, actually, I would call a couple friends. I said, "Do you have a minute? Can I just read this paragraph to you?" <laughs> it was so juicy. It was so good. It was so beautifully orchestrated, choreographed, um, as she put some things together. There, there was one episode. There was an episode, something I, I read with, about with John Cleese about cheese that had me rolling on the floor. <laughs> Man, I wish I could. You know, I had his. Wacko gift. Um, but the thing is that as you read and you look at those things, you start chewing on it and deciphering, okay, so what made this sentence so freaking good? Yeah. What made it rich? What kind of adjectives, what kind of combinations did the author? You start learning. And the reality is the more you read, the faster you read. The better you read, the greater the understanding it is. And when you translate it into writing, the more you write, the better the write, the faster the write. (laughs) And and that's how it works. So for you to go back to your college class, I'm going to loop it back and take writing on on one. I'm going to slap you on your hand and tell you not to do it (laughs) because it's a different type of writing. Yeah. You are much better to learn how to do creative writing. Um, I just spent, uh, last weekend, I spent about all day Saturday from 8.30 to 4.30 and Sunday, 8.30 to 4.30, in a comedy writing class. Now, Robin, I don't write comedy, but I do know, and I advise all my authors, I don't care if you're fiction or nonfiction. I don't care how dark and god-awful the storyline can get. Learning to use humor and different phases of that Mm -hmm. gives a cycle and gives me an escape to get out of it. As a storyteller, I'm more of a storyteller when I speak from the platform, from the stage, Mm -hmm. that I have, you know, I I always use stories, real life stories to make illustrations of key points, you know, and and one of them that I tell about a woman who was, uh, when I talk about deleting negativity, um, and moving on from failure was a woman who was stopped by a, a stoplight that I interviewed and was shot, shot by a, a car next to her. And it, he blew out her retinas in her eyes. And the things that she went through, and I knew, oh my God, these people are gasping. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I have to come in with a couple of lines to give it relief to and to bring them back. And to reinforce my point. So, you know, I go, as, as long as I have been doing that, um, and again, I revealed my first book was published in 81, and here we are in the year 217, mm-hmm. um, I still am learning. I still go back to Polish Up. And who I learn from is not by textbooks, 
mm-hmm. that are old. In a lot of cases, I want real life examples and stories. So if when I look go to a movie, I will dissect it. You know, after my comedy workshop, anytime I see those coming, I mean, I will I di- I will be dissecting it. Well, they blew that one, or they or they really enhanced that. I mean, how did these? And we went through multiple movies, clip by clip, line by line, why this was done or what they did wrong. Right. Oh. I know my husband is from Lexington, and there are so many uh, historical items throughout um, the the whole history of of Lexington. And one day we were watching the History Channel and he said, my God, that man finally got it right. (laughs) Because there are so many uh, stories that have been yarns as opposed to factual Mm -hmm. that uh, they've just become a a part of history, whether they were true or not. Mm -hmm. So um, I do know just what you mean as far as that. We have about three minutes before our next break, Judith. I want to ask you, do you know a lot of people who dictate as opposed to typing or do you yep. if someone is limited on their keyboarding skills i would assume Talk dictating it. would yep. be I the better way book. to stay on your on focus yep do i you? talked all my original books and i'll tell you one of the great compliments robin i used to get is you know when i read your books i feel like i'm having a conversation with you oh, so there I, is. I i think that so dictating can work um going into it uh, you know i go away i'm i'm what you would call a binge writer um, I, I'm not someone who can get up every day. We're going to write my, my goodness, my days are so slammed that every day is different and I don't have an hour I can schedule and it's, we'll just get up early. I get up at four thirty in the morning. Mm-hmm. I am already moving in and doing stuff and I'm usually writing. I fix other people's writing. I mean, I come in and I do really developmental, heavy content, gutting, rewriting with a lot of my clients as the book shepherd at this point. But my vast experience in business and in a lot of areas, like for one author I had in, in the in the office, and he had an example dealing with Donald Trump, and I just said, you're not going to do this. Brad, I'm not going to let you use Donald Trump as mm-hmm. an example here. But, and, and he said, why? And I said, well, his ethics are questionable. Number mm-hmm. two, you'll piss off at least half of all your potential readers. You don't go down those things. There are so many yeah. other business people who have impeccable reputations and success stories that you are safer to go down in that journey. I don't want you to go controversial here when you're mm-hmm. talking about a book about leadership where you've got more than half the population that thinks he is taking us down you know, a dive. So um, you just don't do that. So that's one of my jobs in putting it together. But I Mm -hmm. think that what's important to do is to understand that this whole thing is a journey. You know, if if you're in a book or bust deal, so where do you start? You get your manuscript written, but you start understanding that you need to learn, grasp, accept, embrace that this is a business and there are components that you need to learn. You need to learn some of the jargon. You need to learn which kind of editors you should maybe be considering or working with and when do they come into play. You need to be thinking about what kind of marketing. But the why is why I'm doing it. And then the next critical component is who am I writing for? And the more the the writer, our our author-to-be, niches that the more successful chance they have to become. Because the more you narrow your market, I've always said, it's so much easier to be the whale in the pond than the sardine in the sea. 
and that that the more you niche yourself, the bigger your your marketing pool is. It becomes so that's where that expertise. It's Got a lead foot? According to state troopers, here's what not to do when you get pulled over. Don't be a lachrymist and start crying right away. It doesn't help. But if you're under 20, crying won't be held against you. Don't ask for a break. Don't yell or start any argy-bargy. And one trooper said, if they're going to flirt with me to get out of a ticket, it would probably insult my intelligence. But unfortunately, I don't get hit on all that often. So flirting or being a gill flirt won't work. Did you know that 15% of all drivers get 76% of all traffic tickets? And the odds of winning if you challenge a traffic ticket in court are 1 in 3. So what should you do when you get pulled over for speeding? Be courteous to the officer, and most of all, be honest. It's I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words-you-never-heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. Did you get up and stretch during the break? Great! Now you're ready for the next part of our discussion on Passing 50. We're glad you're with us today. This is Robin Boyd, and with us today is Judith Bryles, author, publisher, and the book shepherd, as you will learn about on her website of the same name. And before we talk a little bit more about uh, some forms of writing and, and publishing, I've got to uh, ask you, Judith, I understand your fourth grade teacher impressed you with some words of advice. <laughs> what were they? Mrs. Russell. <laughs> and and one of the things that Mrs. Russell said was that avoid using the words. There were two words, mm-hmm. always and never. And um and and we use those words. I'll never do this. I know. I always am <laughs> going to do that. And and the reality is, uh, too many times we eat them. So it's just really smart to figure out, you know, what words <laughs> as a writer you want to stay away from. Um, I mean, are there some times that always is applicable? Absolutely. Sure. Are there times you, you want to have never um, interposed? Yeah. But that a lot of times what she was referring to, not so much in writing, it was in positioning and taking a, a statement or a side on things because as you learn and you develop, um, you will have. I mean, I can remember when I was redesigning my website a, a little bit ago, a few years ago, and they were before, you know, I really said, okay, I'm going to do social media. I mean, it was as I'm standing, sitting across from the web designer, and I remember saying, I. I will never. <laughs> no freaking way. <laughs> and of course, and now I'm all you know. Is. I'm all over yes. it. Yeah, that, that so, reminds me. I when my husband and I had had a business back in the uh, early '80s, and he wanted to get a computer, and I kept saying, "Oh, I've got to look at a spreadsheet. Uh, I want my whole <laughs> spreadsheet on a ledger. I can't be looking at this tiny little screen." And of course, the computers back then had a lot to be desired. And sure enough, now I live on my computer, and we have them all over the place. I've got to ask you. I want to talk more about social media, but I've got to ask you: Have you been known to dress up? as Raggedy Ann. 
Oh, you do know a lot about me. Yes, I won. I won. Um, the big deal. I must make a deal with Monty Hall. I love it. How and exciting is that? Our girlfriend and I, we got these, you know, a bug up us. This, oh, let's go down. Let's go sit down. Yeah. Let's get tickets. So let's make a deal. And we did that. And, and it says, well, we're going to dress. Let's dress. And my, I had a little, you know, I had two girls and my little girl had a Raggedy Ann doll. And I said, oh, I know I'll go Raggedy Ann. I can put freckles on my face and I can make a, I'll just get red yarn and I'll make a wig and, you know, little braids and I'll put that down. And surely I can just go down and create some kind of a pinafore and, and do that. So we went down and got in line and, and the, you know, they, what they, what they did then, who knows what they do now, but I can tell you what they did then is that we're all standing outside, lady and people are dressed in what a hoot. I mean, what a hoot um, in all kinds of things. And the producers will come out, and they're actually are eyeballing the audience. You know, we don't know that. We don't know who sure, these characters sure. are. But they're walking up and down. And we were trying to figure out this guy walks past me. So I took Raggedy, and I hit him on the back of his back. I mean, I hit him. He's back, and I just, you know, whopped him on uh-huh. his shoulder. And he turned around and looked at me. And, you know, I smiled. And he just he just kind of beckoned his finger and says, come with me. So, oh. um and so, and I and I didn't know. Of course, they they have all the rules where they position, but I was I was told to sit on an aisle seat. Wow! And, um, and then Monty Hall came up, and all of a sudden, you know, his his hand was underneath my elbow, and up I was. Oh my goodness! <laughs> so. What Anyways. a marvelous story! I, but it shows that you have to have a little chutzpah to do to oh, yeah. accomplish something. And I think even in writing, we may not think that we can do it, but you, you've got to just be the one to take a little initiative and believe in yourself and say, "Hey, I, I'm going to do this." Hey, pay attention to me. Well, you know, the bottom line is, if 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 it is to be, this is one of my models. I have a poster for this that I've created. Um, but if it's to be, it's up to me. You need to understand, everyone needs to understand that. If they're going to go on this journey, they're, they need to be the driver. And I, and I know a lot of you who are listening in, should I do this or should I not? You know, I just want to write. Market, you got to be kidding. Um, and that, uh, they, they go through this, uh, the dilemma, the pain, the agony, and they don't realize the ecstasy cannot come. This is part of the process. So you, you gotta get out of under that shell and realize, no, you can't just keep writing. You are the, that one of the, the critical things every author needs to realize that once that book, the draft is finished and you've moved to the editor side, you now have evolved from the CWO, the chief writing officer to the CMO, the chief marketing officer and if you can't grasp that if you won't embrace it i'm telling you're doomsed you are in doomsday so it's critical is there a a lot of value to blogging in that if you are wanting to become a a published author yep the blogging is really valuable no question. And in fact, I have a couple of authors who have taken their blogs. We have streamed them together. We, I teach a class on how to write a book in four weeks. Mm-hmm. And that in you, 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 you take that and you can string them together. You can get them into themes or some kind of a, you know, a, a synergistic commonology, um, with them. You can create a little mini introduction and guess what? Voila! You may have a little book. 
And one of the things that I've been saying, short is the new black. You don't have to, you know, in the, in the, in the old days, the average book, especially in nonfiction, maybe have been, you know, oh, 78 to 88,000 words on that. You can have a wonderful positional selling book with 40,000 words. And that, uh, that short is the new black. It's the way people work and write. And it used to be the books of old. It was just line after line after line after line after text. Mm-hmm. Now books, especially in the nonfiction arena, that you know, the when I work, um, when I see books, you know, some people see dead people. I see books when I work with an author. I can kind of see what this book is supposed to look like um, when we're done, and that that what as we work on that, that the, I, I want to see white space in here. You know, I want to see. Um, I use callouts and pull downs to to reiterate, reinforce key thoughts, ahas, or maybe something that's really juicy um, that I just want to repeat in doing that. And I, I just have my own internal formulas that I've created with. I have a client right now who's doing a book. She um, she had top secret clearance. I'm telling you, we had juicy stories here. Mm-hmm. Top secret clearance with the State Department for 35 years. And sitting down with her early this morning, um, and just going through, okay, we're, we've gone through our edit. Now here's some things I'd like to add, um, in that. And she's going to take those back and she liked it and implement them. And then we go to layout on it. Um, and that it's, 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 writing's wonderful. I mean, who knew? I mean, I didn't know I was going to be a writer. I didn't know that I would author 35 books. I had no idea that I would be, um, helping to publish over 500 books, um, with authors. I mean, I had no idea, no idea. How exciting. Truly exciting because you have now a doorway to so many people's um, uh, inner thoughts, I would think, because they begin as inner thoughts and then Mm -hmm. you help them blossom into shared thoughts. And Mm -hmm. that that's sort of a very a privileged position to be in. Well, now we go back to Robin. So who are we writing for? Who are we writing for? Why am I writing? If you're writing is position yourself within your business, within your career, to create a new career. Those people, you know, our audience is is the 50-plus area. So what in the devil are you going to do the rest of your life? You're not going to sit on your duff, not if I get to play with you. That that you, I mean, one of the the wonderful groups I spoke to years ago was the uh, Friends of Alzheimer caregivers, and boy, if there isn't a group that I think that should have angel stars on them, wowza! Yeah. Right. So one of the things I learned in a couple of sessions, because I always, when I speak at a conference, I always try to attend the conference, so I learn something new too. And that one of the things I learned is that when you read, when you keep that old brain going, when you keep on learning, you have a seventy percent less probability of having Alzheimer's. Okay, so. To our listeners, what are you doing the rest of your life? What can you bring to the party based on your experience and what you've done that might help and pass on your wisdom, your shared experiences, what you've learned, and and tweak it into a format that maybe you might create your next career? You know, see, that's what I look at. Absolutely. Or, 
you know, what else do you have um, going on there? So I think that one of the things is if you if you're thinking this way, you know, what's what's the kind of the process that you start doing? And I'm just going to tell you, start writing. You, Robin, you just brought up blogging. That's a great way. Create your yeah. own blog. Um, that you know, I've got someone who's retired. Susan's is you know maybe 67 now, and she's got a wonderful blog. The beat goes on, and she out of that came a little book on friendship that was delightful and wonderful, and it's all around using the metaphor in the garden because she loves gardening. She is a fabulous gardener. And 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 she's created a whole new career. Wow. Around that arena. So where are you going to start and where are you going to begin? And and I'm just going to tell you just start by just start writing and start doing it and you see where that can go from um in that process. And and that's the beauty. That really becomes the beauty of that. And then you, you kind of figure it. So, how, so now what do I do? You know, what's next in right, this process? Right. right. So next in the process then would be, all right, well, I want to get an editor. Now, you know what? Your mom's not your editor. Your best friend's not your editor. Um, the next door neighbor is, and for, and don't let your school teacher, someone mm-hmm. in academia, they're not, you need book editors. You need people who, and also people who get your genre, who understand the genre. And for example, I have one, there's only one editor I go to for cookbooks. She will know instantly if it says tablespoon, there's no freaking way this should be a tablespoon. Right, right. Um, (laughs) And so they, you know, they just say, but they all have different skills. So you get into that um, and you identify and then you need to start thinking about marketing. Um, and in marketing and maybe branding and you think about a website and then you, uh, your, your cover, uh, design. And I am a huge advocate of not doing this stuff DIY. Um, I, I would never consider having my book laid out by an amateur because it's just so important that they look and feel good. Um, and that also they're contemporary and that they compete and you know i i you've got to when you think about good covers you've got to really like you go to amazon and you google um sure. via amazon the top best sellers in your 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 genre who are your competitors what do their book covers look like what's new york putting out you go down to a brick and mortar store right. and and you walk around all the new releases and you, you say, okay, so what colors are popping? What kind of fonts are they using? The last thing you want your book to look like is that you assemble at the kitchen table. At the kitchen table. You do table. not want that. Right. So, Judith, we've got things. a break. I, I just had to say we've got a break coming up. And I wanted to make sure I just quickly ask, would, would your publisher help you with that marketing? Or is that truly going to be on your shoulders? Oh, we've got 30 seconds. Uh, I can, I'm going to answer that right now i can tell you if you were published pre-1990 the publisher did a lot now it is to be it's up to you and there i don't care who you publish with whether it's new york or and we need to get into publishing a little bit here when we come back in our final segment but you need to understand you have to learn how to do this they're not going to do it for you that's a myth my (laughs) listener we'll pick it up on the other side here on passing 50 Stay right where you are. Passing 50 will be right back after these messages. It's words you never heard. Got a lead foot? According to state troopers, here's what not to do when you get pulled over. 
don't be a lachrymist and start crying right away. It doesn't help. But if you're under 20, crying won't be held against you. Don't ask for a break, and don't yell or start any argy-bargy. And one trooper said, if they're going to flirt with me to get out of a ticket, it would probably insult my intelligence. But unfortunately, I don't get hit on all that often. So flirting or being a gill flirt won't work. Did you know that 15% of all drivers get 76% of all traffic tickets? And the odds of winning if you challenge a traffic ticket in court are 1 in 3. So what should you do when you get pulled over for speeding? Be courteous to the officer and most of all, be honest. It's I'm Carolyn Davidson and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. you ever wonder if you're the only woman who runs errands in her yoga pants so it will look like she went to the gym? Or how about the only mom who feeds her kids raw cookie dough? Or are you the only one who cooks her family cold cereal for dinner? Do you need more laughter and less loudness? More self-love and less self-loathing? More joy and less judgment? You're not alone. Come to the living room a place where we get comfy, candid, and confident together. Come seeking sanctuary and leave feeling renewed. We are saving a seat for you. Give yourself some living room today. Want more information or hear other shows from Passing 50? Check out our info page on beckmultimedia.com or our website, passing50.com. Now, let's get back to our discussion on Passing 50. Welcome back, everyone. If you do want to review this podcast, which I am sure you do, you're going to want to visit our show page at Toganet uh, or on iTunes. And this show has been jam-packed, and I sh- I'm sure you're going to want to go back and revisit uh, some of the advice given by our guest, Judith Briles, who also has a program here on Toganet.com titled Author You, Your Guide to Book Publishing. Um, a lot of this information that people are needing to begin their writing career i'm sure you do go into great depth with on your uh, show. overwhelming sometimes yes <laughs> you know yes we we always deep dive into you know it's, it's always a centric topic that mm-hmm. we go into so if we're doing audiobooks we just talk about audiobooks if we're just doing uh uh last week's show was all about uh, the ebooks and publishing trends Mm. Um, with that. And that one of the great things is because of my, um, being an expert in publishing, a lot of my pals, um, are also in that as I can easily tap into any one of them and just say, okay, I, I need to do a deep dive on publicity. <laughs> and this is what, this is all we're going to do. So, you know, I can, and I can say this week, we're going to be talking about the, uh, the uh, draft to dream book competition, which we have going on sponsored by author you. Um, and it is, you can submit your manuscript. We're not talking about a polished book, a finished book. I mean, it may need editing, but you mm-hmm. can submit it and up through April 15th. And all the details are on the author you, and that's you as in university, author you.org website. Just click on the draft 
have to dream image you'll see on the home page and all the rules and regs are there but that there are five prize winners in children's and juvenile in ya adult and then nonfiction. and those prizes are each worth so the grand prize oh, roughly seven to eight thousand um, dollars you get get your entire book published is what happens um, with it it's That's huge. huge let me tell you this is huge <laughs> huge and you know one of the questions so i'm going to tell people go to author click on draft to dream get involved take advantage of it and as robin said if you're really interested in this publishing journey become a regular listener to the author you your guide to book publishing radio show we do with toginet um, and you can get it on the home page on toginet you can also go to the author website or the bookshepherd.com website and right on the home page click on on the air and it's there or you can go to itunes so you've got all these choices um one of the things robin i think it's really important to talk money since i kind of broached that that Mm. you the the cost here because that you can do things um uh, on there are some things that you can do for no bucks there's clearly you can and there are some things that you can do for a lot of bucks and you know i like to kind of not do for a lot of books I mean, you can overextend. It can be very expensive. It depends upon what kind of work you need. If you have a great idea, but you're just a sucky writer, let's just be blunt. If you've got a great idea and you're a sucky writer, you're going to need help. You're going to need writing help. So you're going to spend a lot of money here on either a ghost writer, which could talk, you're, we're talking mega thousands of dollars now, to um, uh, heavy content content editing or development editing before you get to the the grammar and the punctuation side that's another editor um for that but when i kind of look at ghostwriting can run let me tell you you're blind it can run twelve thousand to fifty thousand plus to someone to take your box of stuff yeah, <laughs> to take your yeah. box of stuff and try to turn it into something. Um, then your content development is you've done the script. Like I had one book come in, and it was the entire thing was one paragraph. If you can imagine. Oh my goodness! I, Sixty thousand words in one paragraph. Oh my. So that means that I, you know, it, number one, my eyeballs are going to hurt. Mm-hmm. I have to go in and rebreak that up and get that thing together. Um, in some sort and then figure out what is missing, what can I get rid of, that kind of thing. It's a lot of work on it. So a content development person can, you know, they could be charging you anywhere from $50 to $125 and up an hour. Some will quote you on a project. A copywriter, uh, well, uh, editor is going to charge anywhere from $25 to $50 an hour. Some will charge by the word. What you want to do is get a quote, get get an idea, ballpark, and it could be a little bit over or under. Then you go into cover development. You know, there's some people that charge thousands of dollars for cover. You don't need to do that. I, I can get a great cover for $500 or less. Um, in doing that. And I've got lots of cover designers that I work with. I would not go to an entity like Fiverr, F-I-V-R-R, um, in .com. I just wouldn't do that um, to try to do it. And then you've got your layout design, and that can range depending upon the type of book, whether it's a children's book or you're into the adult, if it's nonfiction, 
versus a fiction book. There is different kinds of components and layout, but that can range anywhere from, oh, say $800 to several thousand cookbooks and books that have a lot of art are going to take uh, amount. So, those are going to be some of the, the you know, the, let's get the book going type thing. Then you have to buy ISBNs, which is going to be a few hundred dollars. And you have, um, you know, if you're working with a, with a coach or someone like me, that's another fee that comes into play. And then you've got to start figuring out, okay, what am I going to market? Now I can pay people to market my book, or I can start learning this myself. And that's where the Internet is a godsend. Mm. I mean, I didn't have anything like that True. out there. And one of the things that writers, this is this is one of the bugaboos I see um, a lot of times, is that they they just I just need to work on writing my book. I you have to, you know what? You have to learn to pri. This is really where prioritizing really comes into play. Mm-hmm. And one of my keepers is is you, if you never say net, no, your yeses become worthless. And the other one is don't do well what you have no business doing. That means that you're going to have to start saying, you know, if you're that if your goal is to really write a book, you're going to have to kind of bump some other stuff off the plate right now. You can't do it all. Right. So there's some focusing that's really important. You've got to literally, and, you, and you've and you got to get your family, if you have a family, that lives with you to buy in, to support you. Because the problem with a lot of us who work out of our homes, I mean, I have a, a large home. I have offices dedicated 2,000 square feet in my home where I have staff and everything. But you know, and we know we're in the office. People know we're working here, but right. most authors have maybe a little room, if they or maybe they're doing it on the table. No one gets that you're working, so you have to have boundaries set up to protect yourself that will add to enhance your success, and that's really critical and important to understand. So the Internet will be helpful to you in your marketing, but that's why you're going to get out and start this early. You're going to figure out your competitors. You're going to follow them. You're going to pay attention to what social media they're going to use. You're going to become a fan. You're going to make comments because when it's your turn, when you're coming to the plate, then what they will do is start recognizing, you know, this person contributes to my blog. This person makes comments. And when you reach out and you and you ask for an endorsement or you ask them to consider maybe, you know, doing a review on your book or, or whatever it is, you have much more of a chance to get to be acknowledged and possibly supported. And that can be huge for your success. One of the things on your website, the bookshepherd.com is your free guide, uh, publishing essentials, alphabet soup. What a wonderful resource for anybody to start with. Just absolutely begin here. It it is. It's really critical. And, And it has, as you said, there's eight essentials and that includes, okay, so how do I get this? thing called the ISBN, which you need to understand that's your book's social security number. Mm-hmm. So so do I need a Library of Congress number? And I'm telling you it's a good idea to get it. Should you should you get a CIP and what the heck is it? That stands for catalog and, and publication number. And you know it used to be it was critical if you're going to go to a library. It's not so much critical to have. Mm-hmm. Um, how do I write a an acknowledgement page? You know all those little kinds of things 
in there. So it's a freebie. So everyone, go get it. It's right on the homepage. Um, you, you have to give me your name and your email number, and then you and I are going to be kind of pen pals. But, that's um, yeah, but that's called, and by the way, that is called an opt in piece. And you want to create one for your website. Yes. Yes, <laughs> it's it's very, very uh, valuable because that is the beginning of your networking and that's the beginning of your mm-hmm. opening up to all, all the more people to find you. Yeah, and it could be it could be about something. You're, maybe you're going to give away something about your book, or maybe you've developed a cheat sheet. If you're writing nonfiction, for example, maybe you've you've got some real hot tip sheets that yeah. if if people have it, if, remember your website. And this is always the social media side, but your website has three purposes: one, to provide content about whoever or whatever you're about to is to develop trust that that you can be a trust you don't give um alternative facts you don't lie you give rich content that will support them that's two and then number three it's to gather names and emails yes okay Judith, we've got just a couple minutes before the end. I wanted to also, yes, I know (laughs) this totally flew, totally flew. Another one of your books, which I feel probably would be uh, one of your last books that you've written. However, one of the first books anybody should have is how to avoid 101 book publishing blunders, bloopers and boo-boos. Love it. Yeah, it is. It's, you know, it's a gem of a little book. It's a five by seven. It's 300 pages. So it's short. But it's it's in color throughout, and it's just got a hundred and one and tips, and they're in segments. It could be about editing, it could be about marketing, um, uh, it could be Jedi marketing, it could be about um, you know uh, uh, just publishing ahas as you go along. It could be about yeah. printing. I mean, there's a, there's I think there, there's over a dozen sections in it, and that the how to avoid a hundred and one book publishing blunders, bloopers, and boo boo is really t- is a, a guide. Now, one of my, I have to tell you, Robin, one of my favorite things is someone called me. They said, I bought your book. You know where I keep it? And I said, no, <laughs> I keep it in the bathroom. And every yeah. time I go on, I read a couple of tips. There you go. <laughs> but true, when you're in the bathtub sitting for a soak, that's often the best time to just relax and absorb. You're absorbing some, something physical, but you're absorbing something mental. And what an absorbing hour this has been. Judith Briles, thank you so much. And I do want to direct people to thebookshepherd.com as well as please visit uh, and listen in to Author You, Your Guide to Book Publishing here on Toganet. And do enter the Draft to Dream competition. Yep. That is amazing. It, it's a, it's really terrific. So all the details are on the Book Shepherd or the Author You dot org website. So we've I know we've shown a lot of, of information and um but we'd love to come play with you. Do listen to the show and as with with this wonderful show you can get all the replays of the podcast spot on off of our homepage wonderful. and things. Yeah. Judith Briles, thank you for being here and thanks to all of you today for thank being you. with us on Passing Fifty. Take care everyone. We're glad you spent this time with us today. Relax. Passing 50 isn't so bad, and every year after can be great, too. You're in good company. Passing 50 is a production of Beck Multimedia. Join us again for another great discussion right here on Passing 50. Passing 50.